Hello and welcome back to that haunted show. THS, yes. <laughs> Still trying to make that a thing. Doesn't seem to be sticking though. But how have you all been? Sorry again, this episode is a day or so late. With the move and this constant migraine I've been having for a while, it's just been a bit crazier off my end. And then the feeling of social media taking over, it just gets a bit too much, right? I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it feels like it takes over you and you just need to throw your phone away and just shut down all social media for a while. Well, that might just be my own crazy-ass mind. We don't need to hear about that, though. I know why you're all here. You want to hear some spooky stories and some creepy places. And don't worry, I've got you covered. Like, this episode's going to be a good one. I'm finally doing a research episode for the first time in a while. I've really wanted to do another for such a long time, but it's actually just getting the time to get back into it. And as well as writing out the script notes and everything, and even though generally I tend to write like a full-on script, even with awkward pauses for even awkwarder jokes, <laughs> it's go hard or go home over here, and I'm already at home, bitch. <laughs> I really need to make a pre-recorded intro to state all this shit, but I never do. And I feel like I skip like a few minutes into any other podcasts who do that. So you never know. One day I might actually catch you all off guard and drop some juicy info. And you've just gone along and skipped it. So joke's on you. (laughs) Here we go. It's the selfish plug time. You know the deal. I hate doing this, but... The best and easiest thing you can do to help the show is go to our Apple podcast page and leave us a review. I'm not asking for a five-star review, although that would be amazing if you did. (laughs) And just let me know what you actually think of the show. Like, I'm shit with criticism and I try not to cry, but I'll take a ball what you say. (laughs) And then you know how it goes. Any new reviews, we read them out on the show and you get yourself a little shout out, which is fucking awesome. You never know, you might even get some fellow spooks following you. So it's a, it's a win-win. Also, just saying that I just thought now that I should probably check if we've got any more new reviews. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Oh, well. It was worth a shot. <laughs> Fuck. Kill me. <laughs> yeah, I've lost my role already now. I'm I'm sad. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, you can also leave any reviews anywhere else you listen. And we're literally everywhere you can imagine. We're still not big enough to type in that horny chair on Google. But if you add podcast to the end, then bam, we're fucking there. (laughs) Or any other place you listen to podcasts, just give us a little search. And we usually pop up over like the first few now, which is fucking cool. And if they have a review option wherever you listen, feel free. And you're amazing. And of course, be nice. There are other things you can do, like subscribe to our Patreon page or even the Buy Me A Coffee site, which, kind of looking at it, I'm probably, I I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I kind of think, if anything, I might shut down the Patreon page because I feel like a subscription is just something I don't agree on. Like, it's like, (laughs) how can I explain it? It's like giving someone a tip at a restaurant. At restaurant? At a restaurant? I can't even fucking speak. What's new? Just because they're good. And it's not like I'm going to set up a direct debit for them. <laughs> yeah, if they're good, I'm going to give them a tip. But yeah, I'm not going to 
keep a recurrent fucking 20% tip or some shit when I'm not even going there. Or like, I go there once and I you get what I'm fucking saying. <laughs> also, what you can do, before I'm losing my fucking train of thought here. Also, what you can do is follow the page down on Instagram or pretty much any socials you can think of. Luckily, I seem to have the handle pretty much everywhere, and that is that haunted show, all one word. That's probably the best place to get in touch with me, or you can, of course, email me over that haunted show at gmail.com. It'll be great to hear from you, like always. That's enough preaching for today. Let's get spooky, shall we? Also, this script is on, like, Grammarly, and it's really bugging me, like, I corrected all of these, and it didn't save. <laughs> And now, like, all the spelling mistakes, and not even spelling mistakes, like, it, it's foreign words. <laughs> Which is bugging me. Ah! <laughs> Screw it. Right, anyway, in today's episode, we're going to be looking at a lighthouse. And no, it's not that awesome RPAT movie with Willem Dafoe. Even though that movie is fucking amazing. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend. It's... It's a very artistic, dark movie, and it's not an easy watch by all means, but my god, it's it's good. <laughs> like, the cinematography of just everything and the confinement of each shot is... Yeah, it's crazy, like, they done it so well. Yeah, definitely yeah, check it out. Like, drop a plug for the lighthouse, even though, I mean, they don't need it. They're fucking worth millions, I'm just saying, send some money, please. <laughs> Yes, highly recommend. Today's lighthouse is quite different though, and you may have heard of it. St. Augustine Lighthouse is a private aid, navigational, and still active lighthouse located in, well, you guessed it, St. Augustine. Which is in Florida. Which is in the United States. Which is on Earth. <laughs> which is in our universe. Which... I don't know where that's going. Yes. <laughs> the current now, now I say current because uh, we'll dive into more about that later, stands on the northern side of the Anastasia Island. It was built between the years of 1871 and 1874. The tower, though, is actually the second lighthouse on St. Augustine. The first was lit by the American territorial government in May 1826 as Florida's first ever official lighthouse. Now, I say official because the Spanish and British government who travelled there kind of created their own somewhat permanent wooden structures and beacons dating all the way back to, like, 1565. So, that's pretty old. <clears throat> and, I mean, building work wasn't the best back then. Like, these... I don't even think we can call them lighthouses. They were, like, matchboxes. <laughs> According to archival records and maps of the time, this official American lighthouse was placed on the site of a previously erected ah, watchtower built by the Spanish. There is even a map created by a man named Baptista, no relation to the wrestler, I did check it out, Bozeo, <laughs> in 1589. The map itself actually depicted Sir Francis Drake's attack on the city and shows the previously erected ah, wooden watchtower and beacons. In 1783, the Spanish once again raided and took over control of St. Augustine, and once again, the lighthouse structure was improved. Now, I looked through all the records, and they brought over this dude who was literally like, he was the bee's knees of building lighthouses, like, this dude was the man. Joseph Frederick Wallet 
Debans, Debars, Debars. <laughs> and he was Swiss Canadian, so Joseph Frederick Wallet Debar. I probably say it's like that, not just Wallet Desbars. That's because I'm English and uncouth. <laughs> now, he was a, like I said, Swiss Canadian engineer and a maritime surveyor. That's a serious fucking name and a serious fucking title. That sounds pretty cool. He engraves his coquina. Coquina? <laughs> he engraves his coquina, aka lighthouse, with a plan of harbour of St. Augustine. So they were planning to actually build a harbour in St. Augustine, but they never actually happened. Due to the ever-encumbering erosion and vastly changing coastline, the old, the old tower actually crashed into the sea in the year 1880. But luckily, not before a new lighthouse was built and lit. Today, the ruins of the first, like, submerged tower still lay there under the sea, and it's like an official archaeological site. Now, this is something I found quite interesting, because, of course, back then, you didn't just have a light switch. It was a full-time job to make sure that light was on, and, like, it needed to be. Because <laughs> if not, like, you get ships just sailing straight into you, I don't fucking know, like, yeah, you really had to, like... Run that shit like clockwork. Make sure that light's on. That's your main job. <laughs> Early lamps in the tower actually used to stay illuminated by burning lard oil, which I thought was pretty cool. Now, reflectors were soon replaced by the fourth order Fresnel lens in 1855. Now, this lens greatly improved the range and eliminating a lot of maintenance issues, meaning that the workers could focus on more duties without sustaining the light as much. For 20 years, the lighthouse was manned by its head keeper, a man named William A. Hahn of Philadelphia. Now, Major Hahn, in his own rights, was a war hero and commanded his own battery during the Battle of Gettysburg. His wife, Katie Skillen Hahn, I thought it said Skrillex, and I was like, well, <laughs> shit. That's my fucking teenage years, Jesus Christ. Boy, even was fucking dubstep. It was just sound, man. Have you ever listened to a dubstep song back? It's fucking awful. <laughs> and his six daughters all lived there. They constructed a Victorian-esque duplex during his tenure there, too. Now, one brisk summer's night in August 1886. <laughs> Sounds like the setup for some epic story. But it's really not. The lighthouse began to shake and make these awful noises. Pots and pans began smashing and falling to the ground. The current lighthouse keeper was flung against the wall trying to gain some balance as the tower was swaying violently. It was found out later that the Charleston earthquake had caused this. Apart from minor cosmetic damage, it was stated that the structural integrity of the lighthouse was still sound. Surprisingly. <laughs> 1885 finally came around, and after many years of experimenting with different types of oils, the lamp was finally converted from lard oil to something we're probably a lot more aware of to this day. Kerosene. Now, another high point in 1907, indoor plumbing finally reached the light station. That sounds like a fucking win, right? No more taking a shit in a bucket and throwing it in the sea. Like, now it can, you can take a shit in the toilet and it can travel through a pipe into the sea. <laughs> How times have changed. <laughs> to be fair, like, a lighthouse, right? You're living probably on the edge of a fucking cliff. You could, like, dig your own pipe and just shit in that and you get direct source to the sea. <laughs> like, it doesn't really get any easier than that. Also, side note, if you have watched The Lighthouse, you know that scene where he gets covered in shit. That's fucking disgusting. <laughs> now, in 
Now, electricity was finally available in the lighthouse in 1936. Man, 20th century was really blowing this place the fuck up. And the light was actually automated in 1955. So, as the lighthouse began to be more automated, like everything, the necessity for lighthouse keepers was dwindling. They dropped from three permanent workers to two, then finally just one lone lighthouse keeper who just had to provide small maintenance checks on the tower. That's all pretty factual, right? You're probably thinking, why the hell am I listening to this? Like, where are the shit jokes? Oh, well, actually, I say, where are the shit jokes? Like, the shit jokes are still there. They can never go. Unfortunately, that's part of my fucked up personality. <laughs> where are the ghosts? You may be thinking, this is that haunted show, not that fucking factual lighthouse expertise motherfuck show. <laughs> no. Ghosts are coming. I mean... This fucking dude did a whole episode on Sasquatch last week and he's now obsessed, alright? And yes, I'm talking about myself in the third person because I'm losing my fucking mind. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce you to the darker side of St. Augustine. I should probably credit some of these places before we start, so here we go. Skip like 30 seconds. <laughs> St. Augustine Lighthouse and Maritime Museum offer tickets to a ghost tour and a ghost-themed private event called the Dark Side of the Moon, which, actually, sounds pretty fucking cool. <laughs> the lighthouse was also featured on episodes of Ghost Hunters on the Sci-Fi Channel. Side note, the Sci-Fi Channel is underrated, I think. There's a lot of shit on there, but there is some gems. The lighthouse was also stated as one of the most terrifying places in America. That happens a lot. <laughs> I wouldn't take too much credit in that. Like, everywhere is the most haunted place somewhere, if you think about it. Like, I'm trying to think of small places in the middle of nowhere. You find a toilet in a fucking public toilet in the middle of a desert. That's probably going to be the creepiest place. <laughs> I don't know where the fuck that's going. But, yeah, you... you no, you probably don't get what I'm saying. <laughs> and that's fine. It was stated as one of the most terrifying places. Not haunting, terrifying. Which uh, was on an episode called The Restless Dead, which was on the Travel Channel in 2018 or some shit like that. Yeah, I've done my credits okay. What the fuck? Some of the lighthouse permanent residence is that of two young girls whose haunting giggling and footsteps skipping around can still be heard to this day. And even sometimes if you're lucky, well, or unlucky for most, you can see two full-bodied apparitions of the Petit sisters. Superintendent of the lighthouse construction. Now, I don't know how to fucking say this. Hezekiah? Hezekiah? Sounds fucking cool, like biblical name. Hezekiah Petit moved from Cape Elizabeth, Maine with his family to oversee the construction of the new St. Augustine Lighthouse. Hezekiah? We're going to call him Big H. Lived on, Big H lived on site with his wife Mary and their children, Mary, Adelaide, Eliza, Edward and Carrie. Just as any child would do, the petite children turned the construction site into a playground, inviting the children of the workers into their fun. Now, I already know this is going to be bad news, <laughs> because I work on construction sites, not safe places. I turn them into a playground for me and it's fucking dangerous enough. <laughs> Me and power tools do not mix, but sure as shit is fun. <laughs> the 
1873, only the foundation and 42 feet of the 165 foot tower were completed. Now, they had this railway cart which moved supplies from supply ships docked at the salt run to the building site. Now, riding the cart down to the water was a favourite pastime of the Petit children. They used the cart as like a Victorian era roller coaster, riding the cart to the water and bringing it back up to ride it down again. Only a wooden board at the end of the rail stopped the cart from tipping over into the water. Now, this sounds pretty fucking fun, like dangerous as all hell, but pretty fun, right? <laughs> also, the only thing stopping them is this wooden plank. <laughs> These kids are going to have some serious fucking whiplash. <laughs> now, on July 10th, 1873, the three Petit sisters, Mary, who is 15, Eliza, 13, and Carrie, 4, along with an unknown African-American girl who was around the age of 10, whose father may have worked on the site, were riding the car as normal. The wooden board that stopped the car from going into the water was not in place. The car carrying the girls flipped into the water, trapping the girls underneath. A Mr. Dan Sessions, a young African-American worker, witnessed the tragic event and raced to the water as fast as he could. When he reached the car, using all his strength, he lifted it atop from the girls. But by this time, three of the four girls had drowned. The only survivor was the youngest, Carrie. In the days after the accident, the construction site as well as the town shut down for the funeral of the girls. Following the funeral, the Petit family returned to Maine to lay their daughters to rest in their hometown. Staff researchers have not yet been able to find the final resting place of the young African-American girl. Have they found the others? And doesn't that actually say anything about that? I, I presume they found the others. Weird, I wonder if, like, the African-American girl was an entity. Kind of lured them in. And like, oh yes, ride this it. <laughs> ride it this time, there's no fucking board stopping you. <laughs> Maybe, just a theory. Just a theory, big brains, big brains. In the 145 years since the accident, strange occurrences have repeatedly attributed to the spirits of little girls. The grown children of the lighthouse keepers have told us that their home was a terrific place for Halloween parties and telling ghost stories. Well, I'd say that probably is a given. Imagine living on some creepy lighthouse, like in a Victorian-esque home. Uh, yeah, you're going to really shit someone up with some creepy-ass ghost stories. <laughs> so, by offering the dark side of the moon tours, they are proudly carrying on that family tradition still to this day. One story involves a relief lighthouse keeper living in the home in the 1950s who had reported hearing footsteps upstairs. He went to investigate but no one was up there. The head keeper at the time was James Pippin. He served from 1953 to 55 and was the last keeper to live at the lighthouse. Pippin initially lived in the keeper's house as all the previous keepers had done but he moved to the much smaller 1941 coastal lookout building, swearing that the big house was haunted and would not stay another night in it. Now that was a direct quote in one of his journals he kept, which is officially document documented. I can't fucking speak, Jesus. In 1955, as we know, the lighthouse lamp was now fully automated, and the United States Coast Guard replaced the lighthouse keepers with a new position called a lamplighter. Now, the local lamplighter had all the duties of a lighthouse keeper, but did not live on site. As a result, the keeper's house was rented for a time. A local man who crafted leather goods rented the property during the 1960s. He documented the story of waking up one night with a small girl standing by his bed. 
As he blinked his eyes to look at her, she disappeared. In 1970, after standing empty for many years, the keeper's house burned under mysterious circumstances. Gut in the home, leaving only the coquina basement and a few charred timbers. St. John's County purchased the shell of the building with the intention of demolishing it for safety reasons. However, 16 women in St. Augustine stepped in, raising $1.2 million over the next 15 years to restore and renovate the keeper's house. The original Fresnel lens, uh, the group added to the building at the National Register of Historic Places with the help of Karen Harvey, a local historian, writer, and longtime lighthouse advocate. Good for you, Karen. Never thought I'd say that. Fuck. <laughs> During the renovation, both construction workers at JSL Volunteers reported numerous unexplained incidents in the home. The basement was a particularly active area for ghostly encounters, being the only part of the home that was not completely burned. Perhaps the children like to play here? Today, you can still feel a very eerie presence there. While the children are by no means the only tragedy that occurred in this home, the girls are some of the most active spirits around. Psychics contact staff as frequently, and recently one told us the young African-American girl's name was Ellie or Eleanor. Nice. How they do that, though? Like, realistically, are you just going to take some psychic's word for that? I don't know. I'm sceptical. I like to believe, but... It's never going to be confirmed, is it? Like, I could go there and be like, whoa, that girl's name's Jeff. And you could just be like, well, I can't disprove that. This dude's right. <laughs> we continued our archival research and we hope to find historical evidence to one day confirm this information. Yep, you heard it here first. That girl was called Jeff. Credit me, please. <clears throat> Thank you. As playful spirits, the girls enjoy playing hide-and-seek, sometimes including unsuspecting people. One night in the dark lighthouse tower, a lone staff member was closing up for the night. God, I already can tell this is going to be fucking horrible. He heard giggling at the top of the tower. Oh man, I can't imagine anything worse. You're at the top of the tower, right? And you hear giggling. Oh man. You've got to go down there. <laughs> That's your only way out unless you fucking yeet it off the top. <laughs> I remember when I was younger, we had this townhouse. And yeah, it's a townhouse. I don't know if Americans have that over there, but it's like three stories and it had a staircase. You can look right down to the bottom. And I always felt like something was chasing me on those fucking stairs. It was horrible, man. <laughs> so this guy was thinking he had left someone on top of the tower. Oh, that's it. He heard giggling at the top. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, actually, that's even better. I fucking locked the door and get the shit out. So as he big. <laughs> Thinking he'd left someone on top of the tower. Who is he going to leave at the top of the tower? Like, he's working alone. Okay, well, even so, he went up there to find it was empty. As he began to head back down, he heard some giggles down below him. Descending to the bottom, he once again found that there was no one there. Was it just the wind, or was he in the midst of a game of hide and seek? Now, I don't know about you, but I've never heard the wind giggle. <laughs> So many people try to disprove the paranormal with rational reasons like that, but have you ever heard the wind chuckle? <laughs> like, I don't know what conditions it would take for the wind to sound like a small child giggling, but in my 27 years, I've never witnessed anything like that. <laughs> Another even, I'm, I, right, I'm not saying it couldn't be done. I'm sure there's certain ways it could be done, but sometimes... 
It can't be proven. Okay, let's just leave it at that. Another evening, a female guest on the Dark Side of the Moon tour was standing on the first step of the metal lighthouse staircase. When she took her first step to climb the tower, she found her shoelace tied to the staircase. (laughs) Wow, what a little fucking annoying ghost. (laughs) Whether it was a ghost or a companion playing a trick, we cannot say. I feel like that should be proved. (laughs) Like, your friend should be like, oh yeah, I was just fucking with you, because if not, that's a fucking dickhead of a ghost. <laughs> On another tour, a guide found a group of young women in the basement of the keeper's home. One of the young women rented an EMF meter to measure the electro- electrical activity caused by the spirits. The young woman was holding the meter and asked the girls if they wanted to play hide and seek. The meter spiked. The woman wandered the basement searching for the hiding girls, finally finding the meter activity under the spiral staircase leading to the main floor. Excitedly, she said found them and asked again if they wanted to play. Like before, the meter spiked. Once again, the young woman searched the basement for the girls and after several minutes found the electrical energy near the children's play table. Now, about that time, another set of guests came into the basement and reportedly, and reportedly, their energy dissipated. Well, at least you got a few credible witnesses. Someone's always got to crash the fucking party, don't they? These girls sometimes do appear in fully formed apparitions. Several years ago during the day, a guest was exploring the maritime hammock trails. Hammock trails, that sounds pretty fucking cool. I could go for that. <laughs> and came across a young girl in a Victorian outfit sitting on a bench reading a book. As she began to ask the girl a question, another group came from the opposite direction. Distracted by the group, the woman locked away for only a moment and turned back to find the little girl on the bench was completely gone. In a similar instance, a woman on a ghost tour approached another woman to compliment her daughter's behaviour on the tour. Confused, the woman said she has no daughter. Oof. Oof. That's pretty fucked. The other woman told her that the little girl had been standing by her side most of the evening. There were no children on the tour that evening. Yeah, that's pretty fucked. That would freak me out, man. Like, kids as ghosts just does me in. Yeah. That's not the one. So, are you a believer? Obviously, we cannot explain the events that are reported to us on the tours, but we invite you to experience it for yourself. Dark Moon of the Tours, oh, I'm just reading a fucking advertisement now. So, I should probably credit this. Dark Side of the Moon Tours for members only, it costs $5, and they run in June and October. If you decide to join on the tour, remember the book well in advance, blah, blah, blah. Right, credited them. These tours do sound pretty good, not gonna lie. It looks like... What was it? The majority of the experience actually happened on these tours. Uh, obviously, some people working there in the day experienced a lot of weird stuff. But that um, woman with the EMF meter playing hide and seek with the kids on the tour in the basement, that was pretty fascinating. There was a group of them and some... Where was it? There was a group of them and the tour guide. Yeah. So that's like three or four credible witnesses there. So, pretty interesting. Aside from the two girls who perished and still reside there, it seems there is another presence who doesn't seem so thrilled to be stuck around. Known as just the man, he's usually spotted in the basement of what used to be the lighthouse keeper's house. Now, this shadowy entity is known for making the room smell like cigars and causing smoke to come billowing around you. Also giving a deep innate fear of foreboding. The most famous encounter with this shadow entity happened in 2006 when the TV show Ghost Hunters visited. 
In this episode, they caught this misty shadow figure above the location of the cast. Now, I think I've actually seen this clip on YouTube. He kind of like looks down on them from the rocks or a ledge or something then disappears. It, It's definitely pretty cute. It's definitely pretty creepy. Like you watch a lot of ghost adventures and you never kind of see any kind of full bodied apparitions. But I remember this quite clearly. I watched this when I was younger. Just going to see if it's the same video that I'm actually thinking of because yeah, it's pretty fucked up. St. Augustine. Do, 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 do. Right, I can only get the full episode and I can't be fucked to watch all that. But I'm pretty sure it's that episode and I'm pretty sure it was pretty good if I remember correctly. Or it could just be something else entirely, <laughs> which would not surprise me. As for who the man actually is, nothing is known for certain, but of course there are ample theories. Some believe it's the ghost of William Russell, who was the lighthouse keeper during the 1850s. Now, Russell was known for his passionate and protective personality. People believe he's only trying to look after his home and his place of work, even if it means scaring off a few visitors. A more than likely culprit is another lighthouse keeper by the name of Joseph Andreo. According to legend, Andreo suffered a fatal accident when he fell from the tower in 1859. His death was so sudden that many argue he didn't realise he had died. For over a hundred years, his spirit has been living in his old quarters, smoking a cigar to pass the time. There's probably worse ways to go. If he's died so quick, he doesn't even know he's gone, and he's just chilling in the afterlife with a cigar. I'd say he's pretty set. You got a load of fucking kids on a tour in your house, just scare him off, and you enjoy your cigar, dude. Now, I was going to end this off here, but I did a bit more research and found out there's a few more types of haunting that may or may not be related to the lighthouse here. It's well documented that the museum is part of the lighthouse itself and is said to be very haunted. People witness clear apparitions of faces at windows and people seemingly like travel between mirrors, which, yeah, it's pretty damn fascinating. Like, I've still got this weird theory about mirrors can definitely be used as some kind of portal or such, like... If you just look back at history and all like the instances where they were used for scrying and just strange occurrences and sometimes like a coincidence can't just be a coincidence. And even like the whole Bloody Mary thing like, yeah, mirrors are creepy shit. I also found a little story someone has submitted about the place too. I'll read it now quickly and let me know what you think. So, so this is the story which is coming out of, well. He credited it. He credited it as Saint Augustine, but not where he's actually from. So after seeing the Ghost Hunters adventure in Saint Augustine's episode, I decided to plan a two-day vacation to Saint Augustine and try to see for myself. It was my first time there, and I decided to explore the oldest city in America. Is it the oldest city? In all the research I did for this episode, I didn't come across it being said as the oldest city. I'd fact check that. <laughs> I visited the usual tourist attractions like the Fort and Old Augustine. I also looked into the ghost tours. After asking a couple of store vendors which one to take, they pointed me to the lighthouse and said the old jail trolley tour. The trolley tour was okay, but it felt more designed for a younger crowd. I did like the stories, but unfortunately I didn't experience any kind of paranormal activity. So I called it a night and went back to my hotel room. The hotel was a Holiday Inn Express and was about 5 miles from downtown. I took a shower and went to bed, and I woke up around 3.45am to use the bathroom. 
When I got up and out of bed, I noticed my sneakers were moved to the middle of the room and they were next to each other facing opposite directions. I was in awe and got the chill because those were the same sneakers that were in the corner and I kicked them off about four hours earlier. So, you know, I can't sleep. Lol. I hate people who type lol. I decided to take photos around the room and try to catch anything, but caught nothing. I turned on the TV and began channel surfing. An hour or so passed and then I fell back asleep. Around 5am I woke up again sweating and I couldn't move. I felt like someone was pushing on me. I couldn't move my arms or get out of the bed. Now this went on for about 10 to 15 minutes. I'm so freaked out I left my room and purchased soda at the vending area. I did not want to go back but I had to collect my things. I went back, grabbed my things and checked out. When I was at the front desk I proceeded to tell my story. The clerk told me they had an incident a week ago which was in an entirely different room. She said that her co-worker went to the room to change out an older clock. She brought in the new one, placed it on the wall, and the hands on the dial just kept spinning out of control. This happened two times with two different clocks. In conclusion, save your money from the trolley tour and stay at the Holiday Inn Express, room 201. Alright, well... <laughs> I probably should have pre-read this story because it just seems like a whole fucking advertisement for the Holiday Inn. Which, in fact is five miles away from the actual lighthouse <laughs> so I, I mean ghosts fucking travel so who knows they could be going there but yeah save your money just go to the holiday in st augustine 201 and you get someone who ties your shoes together there you go but that will finally be it for this episode i have run out of things to say we really are coming to an end now, I hope you guys have all enjoyed this episode as much as I have. It's been it's been an educational one this time. There's a lot of facts to it. A few hauntings, a few little spooks, but it's been mainly quite factual. I really enjoy looking at the history of places. Looking up, like, when, what was it? I'm trying to think back. Uh, the Pefalia episode. Like, that was... I found that really fascinating. Looking about how... Pavalia kind of originated how it was like a quarantine island and when it was developed and what it was used for and how it developed over time and yeah really interesting also I did do a whole episode on Tower of London which I personally really enjoyed but I never actually released it because although it's said to be one of the most haunted places in the world it's really hard to you can't kind of overshadow it because you, yeah, you can't really overshadow it with a haunting because it's so factual and so just, it's the Tower of London. There's so much you can say about it. It kind of doles out any kind of paranormal or ghost stories you could possibly say about it. So, yeah, I just kind of got rid of that. I just kind of got rid of it and never did it. But if you're interested, there is a whole Tower of London episode if you want it. But next, I really want to do um, possession stories with... Uh, the Catholic Church and the Vatican. I'll be looking at it today. and Yeah. That's something I definitely want to do. Because I found out they're still doing uh, like exorcisms. They do about 300 a year. Which I found pretty fucking cool. Even Pope Francis gets in on the sum. So. That could be a good one. Also there's so many like. Uh, exorcism stories. And the big cases. Which could be really interesting to actually do. So yeah. I hope you have enjoyed. It's been an absolute pleasure. Stay safe, stay spooky, and good night.